Right. Well, good morning. Great to see everyone this morning on this February 14th, Valentine's Day. And I do, um, I don't usually do this, but on Valentine's Day, February 14th, I, Wendy's not here, but she might be watching online. And so I feel compelled to get this message to my wife this morning. We've been married 23 years. And I just want her to know this morning that jumping out of a plane is not on my bucket list. And so let's just make that clear. It is no desire whatsoever to jump out of a perfectly good airplane for any reason. All right, now that that's clear, let's get into this morning's message. A few years ago, Wendy and I actually were at lunch. And um, it was after church on a Sunday. And we were taking a missionary to lunch. And we had gone to Bamboo over in Bedford. And we go to Bamboo for usually a couple reasons. One is because the food's pretty good. But two, because it's one of the only buffets close to the church. And when you got young kids and if you can get food in front of people quickly, that's a win. So we usually go over there. And we were over there this particular afternoon with this missionary couple. And, and after the meal at Bamboo, one of the things I'd come to enjoy, it took a little time actually because it, I didn't really try it at first, but it was green tea ice cream. Now, it took me time to get into green tea ice cream for a couple reasons. One, I usually don't eat anything green or a lot of things green if people know me. And I usually don't eat anything for dessert that I don't think should be for dessert. Uh, I don't eat carrot cake or zucchini bread or any kind of vegetable that should be in the meal, and I don't have it for dessert. So green tea ice cream didn't really appeal to me, but someone said, you got to try it, you'll love it. Finally, I tried it one day, and don't knock it till you try it if it doesn't sound good to you, because I loved it. So every time I'd go to Bamboo, I'd get probably more than a scoop, and I'd put whipped cream on it, and I'd come back, and it's, they get their green tea ice cream from Richardson's up in Middleton, and it's creamy, and it's good, and it's just, it's great. I always look forward to it after the meal. So this missionary saw me eating it, and he said, well, I, you know, I've never tried green tea ice cream. I want to try it. So he went up to the buffet, came back with a bowl full, and uh, looking forward to this desire he had to have dessert, to kind of have something sweet and cool after the spicy and hot and savory food that we just ate. So he takes a giant scoop, puts it into his mouth, and in that moment... I knew that his desire for something sweet and cool and good and dessert was not satisfied. Because all of a sudden, his face just went into a state of shock. And I thought, what's going on? And then it was at that moment it occurred to me that the green tea ice cream looks surprisingly like the wasabi that they also keep on the buffet. And he came back with a whole bowl of wasabi and just shoved an entire spoonful into his mouth. And he started sweating. And after several glasses of water, iced tea, many apologies for me, napkins wiping the sweat off his face, he recovered. I hope he laughs about it today. It's still the day my kids say I tried to kill a missionary. But here's the point. Sometimes you have a desire for something, but when you try and satisfy that desire in a way that's not good, it ends up having consequences that you didn't expect. And I want to talk to you about that a little bit this morning because that happens to all of us. And what I want to talk about is this, this word, temptation. 
And that's what temptation is, right? You've got a desire for something. And oftentimes, temptation, really, it's a desire for something good. If you're, you're a Christian, you're a follower of God, a lot of times you have a desire for something good in life. Maybe, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be something to eat for dessert, but you have a desire for love. You have a desire for acceptance. You have a desire for success. You get a desire for approval. You get a desire to be liked. You get a de- they're, they're good things for financial security. But if we try and meet those desires in a way that isn't good, or if we, are, we have a way to meet those desires in a way that isn't good, at that place we enter into temptation. We're tempted to meet a good desire in a way that is outside of God's permissible plan for our life, in a not good way. That's temptation. And we all face it at times. We all face it at times in different ways and in different ways. And we're going to spend the next three weeks actually talking about temptation and looking at the temptation of Jesus. Happens in all kinds of places in our lives. Maybe you've got a good job, a job that you enjoy going to. Maybe it's a job that God has provided for you and you look at it and you say, I can't even believe God gave me this job. It's above and beyond what I would have thought and asked for. And then something comes up where you've got an opportunity to even do better at your job. Maybe you've got an opportunity to land a client that your company has been wanting to land for a long time. And you've been working on it for a while, and, and you're almost there. They've almost signed their line on, name on the dotted line. But there's a piece of information that you haven't given them, that you don't really have to give them, not legally, but you know if you were in their shoes, you'd want to know it. And it doesn't reflect well, and it could put the contract in jeopardy, and you know you should share. And in that moment, you're tempted. You're tempted to get something good in a way that isn't good, and the question is, why? Why should you resist it? Why should you resist it? And what's at stake? What's on the line? Maybe you're a student in school, and you're trying to get in with a new crowd. And they kind of let you hang around, but you don't really feel like you're on the end with them. And one day they're all standing around and kind of making jokes about another student that's, well, to be honest, pretty easy to make jokes about. And you're standing there, and, and you saw this student get out of their car this morning, and something happened that was a little embarrassing for this student, and you know you know you could say it and make the other kids laugh. You wouldn't want it said about you, but in that moment, you're tempted to get something good, approval, friendship, and yet you're tempted to go about it in a way that isn't good. Why shouldn't you do that? Why should you resist that temptation? What's at stake? What's on the line? Or you're on social media, you're on Instagram, and, and at first you went on there and you posted some nice pictures and people liked those, and, and maybe you posted some Bible verses and people were into that. But then you noticed that when you posted other things that there were things that got more interaction from people. When the photos got a little racier, when the posts got a little more controversial, maybe a little raunchier. You got more interaction, you got more likes, you got more clicks, you got more... And you found yourself tempted to go about something that might be good, influence, but getting it in a not good way. Why should you resist that temptation? What's at stake? 
what's on the line. I want to talk about that this morning because if you're a Christian, a follower of God, someone who has given their life to Jesus, here's the truth. You will face temptation. You will. It's a guarantee. If you're new to following Christ, you ought to know that up front. You're going to face temptation. If you've been following Christ a while, you ought to remember that. You're going to face temptation. This morning, we're going to look at a passage in Luke chapter 4, if you want to turn there. Luke chapter 4. We're going to look at just the first several verses, first four verses of Luke chapter 4 this morning. Because as I said, we're going to be in here for three weeks. If you're using the Bible in your chair rack, if you're here with us, it's page 859. We're going to be here for three weeks because we're going to spend some time, a little mini-series in this chapter on the three temptations that Jesus faced. Now, as I say that, here's one truth that comes out just by saying that statement. Experiencing temptation is not a sin. Feeling tempted is not a sin. Because I just said, we're talking about Jesus being tempted and Jesus didn't sin. I think sometimes we might think that just because we feel temptation that something is wrong with us, that either we've sinned or we're somehow heading in the wrong direction, when in fact the exact opposite could be true. What we're going to see in this passage is that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the location where the devil tempted him. In fact, the fact that you might be facing a test, a trial, a temptation might be because God has led you exactly to where you are for a reason might be because you are doing exactly what God has called you to do. And you may still face temptation and trials. But why resist? What's on the line? I want to talk about that for a couple minutes this morning. Let's look at the passage. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. For 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. This is the first temptation that comes to Jesus. There's three of them. We'll discuss one each for the next three weeks. The first temptation, it's a real temptation is what you need to know, first of all. It's a real temptation for two reasons. He hadn't eaten in 40 days. He's hungry. Some of you haven't eaten since this morning, and you're tempted to turn stones into bread if you could. You're hungry. He hasn't eaten in 40 days. It's a real temptation. Because he's hungry, but it's also a real temptation because he could do it. He could turn stones into bread. In fact, later on in Jesus' ministry, you may, you're probably familiar with it, he feeds thousands of people by taking a couple loaves of bread and a few fish and turns that into a meal that feeds thousands. So he could do it. So it's a real temptation that he faces. Couple points for us to understand about temptation and why we should resist. And the first is this because temptation for Jesus and for us focuses on what you will get while causing you to ignore what you give up. Temptation, when it comes your way, will have you focus on what you gain, what you will get, what I can have right now while causing you to ignore what you will give up. 
there was, a, there was a test that Stanford University did years ago, about 40 years ago, called the marshmallow test. Anyone familiar with the marshmallow test? In fact, I, it was funny, just on the radio this morning coming in on K-Love, I heard them talking. I heard uh, one of the guys giving a moment of encouragement talking about this. And the marshmallow test from Stanford University was this. They had some six-year-olds, and they said, you can have one marshmallow now, or if you wait, you can have two marshmallows later. And what they found was that the kids that took the one marshmallow now, as opposed to the kids that said, I'll take two marshmallows later, that those kids that took two marshmallows later ended up doing better on their SAT scores, ended up doing, uh, having more success in their life and in business and, and more uh, healthy and holistic lives in so many ways and so many metrics. And now they couldn't have predicted that when they were six years old that that's what was going to happen, but they knew they were getting two marshmallows. You, sometimes when you're faced with temptation, you see what you're going to get. I'm going to get that marshmallow. But you don't always see what you're giving up. It's not always told you. The other day, I was talking to a guy that's helped Wendy and I with our finances in the past, and we were talking about changing some things with some money we're trying to put away for, for retirement and everything. We're getting to that age. You start, hopefully, thinking about before our age, but you're thinking about that. And, uh, and so before he actually could talk with me or recommend anything, he had me sign all kinds of papers saying, this is what I get out of it. This is, what, this is my role in the situation. Do you understand this? What it was was full disclosure. It had to be fully upfront. The government puts these regulations and says, I need to be fully upfront with what you're getting into and my involvement in this. It's full disclosure. When the devil comes to Jesus to tempt him, it's not full disclosure. When you're tempted in your life, there's no full disclosure. When Adam and Eve were tempted in the garden, it wasn't full disclosure. It's just here's what you can get. Here's what you can have. Devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command the stones to become bread. Just here's what you can get. Why don't you eat? Take it. Eat it. Turn it into bread. Come on. Get the marshmallow. Here's what you get. I've never been fly fishing, but what I'm told about fly fishing is the whole trick is just to convince the fish that the little piece of string or you have in the going over the water there is a fly, and the fish doesn't take much convincing because the fish, the whole thing about a fish is that they're about maximum gratification of their appetite for the minimum expenditure of energy. And if they see that fly in front of them, they're just going to go after it. Rainbow trout rarely thinks about the larger questions of life. It's just, I want to eat, I see a fly, I'm going to bite it. Fish doesn't look closely enough to see, oh, there may be a hook in there, or think about, oh, the, my other friends that bit these flies, I haven't seen them in a while. <laughs> they don't think like that. So what am I going to get? What am I going to get? And that's sometimes, I'm afraid, we, we look at it and we say, stupid fish. And yet, how much are we sometimes saying, well, this is what I'm going to get, and we go after it. First point of temptation is it focuses on what you get while causing you to ignore what you'll give up. Second point is this, temptation may get you what you want, but you'll lose who you are. Temptation may get you what you want, but you'll lose who you are. 
This is, I think, what we miss about what Jesus was really being tempted with. What's the big deal for him to turn stones into bread? He's going to make food later for thousands of people. What's the big deal for him to do it now? Here's the temptation that Satan is saying. Here's what he's not telling him. Jesus has just come down. All that's happened prior to this is Bethlehem. The, you know, Jesus coming down, being born of a woman, the incarnation, and the baptism of Jesus has occurred prior to this. The baptism of Jesus, the voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. And then the temptation of the world. What's the temptation? The temptation is to deny his humanity. The temptation is to deny the incarnation, to deny God becoming man and just be God. To not live his life as a true human who has to depend on his heavenly father for all the things in his life. The temptation right off the bat, the devil is saying right off the bat, no, 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 you're not a real man. You're not a real person. You're not a real human. This is a joke. You're not, you're, just, just turn these stones into bread. The temptation is to deny who he is. And to, in some senses, right off the bat, invalidate the atonement that he's about to try and make for humanity. Because if you're not fully human, you can't atone for the sins of humanity. And when you and I give in to temptation, it's a denying of who we are. Jesus' response is, man cannot live by bread alone. Well, that goes back to the wilderness temptations for the children of Israel when God supplied manna for them. And they were supposed to learn to rely on God in that moment, but they didn't. They tried to rely on themselves. In fact, at one point it says they collected enough manna to try and save it for the next day when God had told them don't do that. And it rotted and got worms in it. And God said, no, you're supposed to learn that your identity is trusting in me. When you and I give in to temptations in our lives, we give up who we are. What's that look like? Uh, about a month or two ago, I had, maybe a little long, two, three months ago, I had this problem with um, my cell phone company that they had overcharged me, like a lot for something, like over $1,000. And it was clearly, like, not my fault. Like, they look, you look at it and you say, okay, this is clear, this is easy. So I call and I say, you know, this, this happened. And after two hours on the phone, no problem, clear it up. We're going to do it. Next bill, you'll see it. Next bill comes along, it wasn't fixed. Call back. I had this conversation with someone. They said it was fixed. Oh, well, tell me what happened. We go through the whole thing again. No, I can't fix that. You got to talk to my manager. I know you can't fix it. Okay. All right. It's fixed. No, it's not. Got to call back again. Here's what I learned. Here's what I got conditioned to. That the first person can never fix my problem, but if I get angry enough, and if I will threaten enough to leave the company and do all this stuff, that that's the only way I get bumped up to the next person. So here's what I started to do as soon as that first person got on the phone. I started to get angry and mad and upset and tell them you can't help me and all that. And I'd immediately get bumped up to their manager. But I'd also notice that I'd start taking those calls outside where nobody could hear me. Why? Because I give in to the temptation to get angry and I give up who I am. 
I give up who I am, who I'm called to be in Christ as a kind, peaceful, gentle person bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Times you'll be tempted to give up who you are. There's a story in the Bible of uh, two brothers, Jacob and Esau. And Jacob was uh, kind of a homeboy. He would cook. Esau was a hunter. He would go out and hunt. They were brothers. Esau was the older one. He had all the inheritance and everything coming to him. Jacob didn't like that. One day, Jacob's cooking some stew, and Esau had been out hunting, and he didn't catch anything. He didn't get anything. He's starving. He says he's starving. He comes home, and he smells the stew that Jacob's cooking. He says, give me some of your stew. Jacob sees an opportunity. He said, I'll give you some of my stew, but you give me your birthright first. You make me the oldest. You make me the one that the inheritance comes through. You give to me what belongs to you. Esau, like a rainbow trout, or he's foolish. He says, I'm starving. What good is a birthright to me? Sure. Gives up his birthright for a bowl of stew. In that moment, he gave in to what he wanted in the moment to get what he wanted, but he gave up who he was. He gave up his identity. This is the temptation that Jesus faced. Turn these stones into bread. Give up your identity as fully human, as someone who's coming and living in this flesh to die for the sins of humanity. He says it to you and to me every time you face a temptation. You're tempted. What you're being tempted is to give up who you are for a loaf of bread. So that's the question I have as we close today. What are you tempted to trade for a loaf of bread? We've all done it at times. Traded who we are for what we want in the moment. Some of you are about to trade who you are so more people will like you on social media for a loaf of bread. Some of you are trading who you are for a relationship that you know God would not have you in, that you know God would not bless, but you're about to do it for a loaf of bread. Some of you are about to go after more money, more success, in a way that God would not have you go about it. You're being tempted to trade who you are for a loaf of bread. Where in your life are you being tempted to trade something you can get but give up who you are? Won't be the last time that Jesus is tempted to give up who he is. There's a time at the end of his life just before the cross where he'll be in the garden and he'll say, God, if there's any other way, Must have been tempting to avoid the cross in that moment. But he didn't. He wouldn't give up who he was. He wouldn't give up who he was, the God-man that came down to redeem humanity from their sins. And so this week, where is it in your life that you are tempted? With a good desire, something that God has put within you, 
Maybe a desire for more success or to be effective in your work. Maybe a desire to have a relationship and a loving spouse. Maybe a desire to have friends and, and, and have an influence that way. Maybe a desire to bring justice and into the world and to do good for people around you and extend love to the poor and, and, and to be helpful. A good desire. But is there a place where you're tempted to go about it in the wrong way? Because in that moment, if that's what's happening, the real temptation is you are being tempted to trade who you are for something you can get in the moment. Let's pray. Lord, Father, I pray that you would lead us and direct us, God. Lord, we, Lord, we like to think we're nothing like those fish. <laughs> but if we look at our lives, Lord, the truth is we have given in. We have fallen into temptation time and time again. We've taken the bait, we've bit the lure, we've taken the hook, and we've found ourselves in a place we never expected and never wanted to be. So, Lord, we thank you that when we've done that, Lord, that your grace and your forgiveness and your mercy is available to us. But, Lord, we also recognize that today, even today, that there's those of us in this room who are tempted to trade who we are for what we can get in the moment. Tempted to sacrifice the eternal on the altar of the immediate. Lord, help us to be faithful to you, not because of who we are, but because of who you are. To hold on to the word of God, just as Jesus did, who said, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Lord, may we also recognize that it's God who sustains us, God who loves us. And Lord, help us to trust you. And when we're in that moment, to know that what's really on the line is who we are in Christ and who you've called and created us to be. So lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand, and we're going to sing this song. Victoria's going to lead us. But I'm going to do this. It's 10.05. We've got uh, a little gap for those of you that are in person to get everything right. So I am going to ask, if you've got kids in our kids' ministry, they need to turn those rooms over pretty quickly. So even as Victoria plays this last song, if you can stay for a few minutes and worship, you're welcome to do that. But if you do have kids in the kids' ministry, could you go grab them uh, so that we can turn those rooms over the way they need to be turned? over, and uh, otherwise let's sing this last song of worship that Victoria's going to lead us in.